This podcast is brought to you by Craft Beer and Brewing Magazine for those that love to make and drink great beer. Learn more online or subscribe at beerandbrewing.com or find us on social media at Craft Beer Brew. It's episode 297 of the Craft Beer and Brewing Podcast. I'm Jamie Bogner. We're here again in Pilsen in the Czech Republic, uh, not very far from where we recorded last week's episode, even though we've actually doing this a few days later, we're back in Pilsen for this episode and joining me is Lenka Strakova, head brewmaster for Pivovar Prod. Welcome to the podcast, Lenka. Uh, thank you for your introduction. Prod is the experimental brewery here in uh, in Pilsen, part of Pilsner Urkel, but focused on making uh, making beers that are not Pilsner Urkel. Um, looking at uh, you know we could call them contemporary styles, but you're really all over all over the map making um, some other old beer styles, making everything from Irish style dry stout to uh, American style IPAs and APAs and you know pale ales, which surprisingly get some play over here. We've seen lots of American pale ales on menus at beer bars in Prague and the like. Uh, certainly not as popular as che- uh, pale Czech lager. Pale Czech lager is still the most important and most uh, popular style out there by a long, 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 long shot. Um, you know, but uh, today in the brew house, we tasted plenty of beers from uh, Kettle Sours, uh, all the way through, uh, you know, a pink boots blend, uh, pale ale that you made and you're making beers across and even a barrel aged, uh, a barrel aged brute IPA, uh, very high ABV aged in barrels. You're, you're pushing through all of that kind of, of creative expression. We're going to talk to talk about how you do that here at Prod and, uh, you know, how that process works from the creative side as well as the technical side and also how you find a way to make a, a Czech pale lager that also has enough bitterness for Joe and for me and, uh, and all of these things. Before we do that, for years, G&D Chillers has chilled the beers you love, partnering with 3,000-plus breweries across the country. They're proud of the cool partnerships they've built over the past 30 years. They know brewing doesn't stop at 5 o'clock, and nor do they – g and uses quality components, expert craftsmanship, and constant innovation. With 24-7 service and support, your brewery will never stop. Remote monitor your chiller for simple and fast access to all the information you need, providing you with the peace of mind your operation is running smoothly. Reach out for a quote today at gdchillers.com or call to discuss your next project. Also, this episode is sponsored by BSG, exclusive distributors of RAR Malting Company, producers of quality malt since 1847. Navigating the seas of brewing can be a treacherous affair, so let RAR North Star Pills be your guide. With overtones of honey and sweet bread, flavor and aroma notes of hay and a nutty character, RAR North Star Pills is a base malt you can set your compass by. Great for any beer style, but perfect for a classic lager. Set a course for bsgcraftbrewing.com to learn how. And if you hear Old Orchard mentioned in the brewing community, don't be surprised. The flavored craft juice concentrate blends from Old Orchard have shipped to over 46 states. Their new brewing customers all often mention discovering Old Orchard through word of mouth recommendation of another brewer. To join the core of Old Orchard's brewing community, learn more at oldorchard.com slash brewer. I should actually give some background in this. Last week, 
Joe and I were uh, moving around various parts of the Czech Republic, uh, recording some podcasts as we went. And uh, this was supposed to happen last week. And now we've joined up with the uh, Czech uh, tr- Agriculture Ministry uh, trade mission. And so we're here with a group of brewers uh, from the United States and Canada and uh, spending the week rolling through the Czech countryside as well as Czech urban areas, exploring everything that Czech beer has to offer from hops to beer, uh, malt and everything else. And along the way, we were meeting fantastic and creative brewers. So we were coming back here and now we finally have a chance to talk about Prod Solenka. Why don't you talk to me about your background in brewing? Well, how did you get into the world of brewing? And uh, how did you progress through your career of brewing? Um, okay, um, it was quite simple. I was just, um, you know, um, enjoying uh, studying chemistry and math and searching for um, something where you can uh, learn more and use those. So, yeah, it was um, just studying food industry. And if you study food industry, it's very close. Uh, you have to choose your um, direction. You can study more meat or baking bread or fermenting something, which sounds good. And as I was born in Pilsen, the beer was very close. So... Um, I was just forced to study fermentation, brewing and malting and it was great fun. And during the studies I just um, realized that uh, I want to beard, uh, brew the beer, not only measure it or watch it or sell it. So. Sure, we've met plenty of folks that have come you know, over this week that, have, that are working in laboratories doing hop propagation there's plenty of other things that you could do in that realm here um you know but certainly if you major in that at a university then there's a recruiting pool that will pull you right out of there into this industry that needs uh that needs talented people yeah but um you know also the uh university is about um more uh science so mm-hmm. you you learn more uh to be scientific which is uh, not going directly to production. Sure, it's sure. Again, uh, pushing you a little bit more into laboratory or um, some experimental thing. Sure. Which at the end was um, well combined. So you decided you wanted to become a brewer then and take the knowledge that you had from university and actually make the beer. What did you do next? Yeah, I, I had to learn uh, more practical things. Just when I started uh, to work uh, with uh, this company, I just uh, work, worked for a laboratory, measuring and everything. But then I wanted to go more into technology and I had to go um, to the control rooms and just brew the beer and watch fermentation and control fermentation and maturation. And that was very important to me, that I joined uh, the basics and learned it. And then I was able to continue with a technology group and control the overall process of beer production in such a company. 
And after that, uh, there was a chance to be a brewmaster for new product development, which is very important for me. And that gave me some credit to end up as a head brewmaster in this experimental brewery. So first you were managing the more experimental side of, of uh, you know, I, I know there's a series at Pilsner or Raquel where, where they would make a beer for a month. And, uh, and so that became, that was first the program that you headed up as brewmaster of that before launching Prod or before the, they launched Prod. Yeah, exactly. We were just uh, introducing different uh, beer styles to Czech consumers in typical Pilsner Urquell uh, pubs. But uh, this program has uh, some limits, like uh, it's it's the beer is produced in big brewery at the same time as regular production. Sure. So you cannot um, anyhow make a possible problem to yeah. regular production. So everything has to be triple decocted then, right? Uh, not really, but <laughs> you have to be very careful with yeast selection. Sure, sure. For example, um, with the Belgian style beers, we weren't able to just use diastaticus yeast. Sure, sure. Because that's big risk for, for the big brewery. Right. So there are some limits. The, the same with kettle souring. You cannot stop the big brewery for 24 <laughs> hours. <laughs> <laughs> right. So um, that was uh, maybe a starting point uh, where uh, the idea of experimental brewery and smaller batches started. And so then Pilsner Urquell decided that they wanted to jump into experimentation uh, you know, in an even more direct and significant way and began the investment in the building of, of Proud. Yeah, actually it was a combination. Um, the decision was like uh, we wished to have uh, such a brewery as a new product development sure. brewmasters. And then uh, Asahi came in as uh, owner of our company and they just agreed that it's not that bad idea, but... Um, only if the brewer is um, self-efficient. So we created a new brand and we have to sell everything. We are not uh, making um, tests sure, for, sure. for the big brands, just uh, brewing our beer and selling it. And it's in our hands how we manage it. <laughs> and it really is. And, you know, obviously Pilsner Kell has lots and like, you know, it is an economic force in the Czech Republic, many, 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 many pubs. I mean, even sold in other craft breweries in uh, in Czech Republic. It's so large, and consumers expect it so much. Um, but you have to you you are also still trying to sell your own beer. You can't necessarily piggyback and take advantage uh, of that in order to to get the beer out here um, to the same kind of degree. It's not like everyone is just taking selling proud beer because it's a Pilsner or Kell brand. Um, exactly. Uh, we are owned by uh, this big company, but we are not using their um, selling channel. So we will see if, if we are able to do it and survive. Uh, it will be great. If not, 
the company can open some channels for us, but um, it's a fail. Well, it's a, a beautiful facility here. This is the old power plant, right, for, for Pilsen, one of the like built in the early 1900s. And it's a building that you all have then renovated and, and been building out for the brewery. And it's a, it's a gorgeous, a gorgeous uh, brew house and gorgeous fermentation cellar. Um, and uh, it's a spectacular thing to see. Let's, I want to talk about how you then approach within this context, the, how you approach designing beers, how you think about the beers, because, you know, you, obviously Czech Republic has a strong brewing history. There's lots of expectations among beer drinkers for what beer should taste like and what they want out of beer. Um, they want that drinkability. They want to be able to drink a number of beers. And, uh, you know, and so you are trying to navigate within this, this Czech beer world and build also pull in creative ideas, uh, from brewing in other places. I want to talk about that, but first AccuBrew now monitors specific gravity to ensure consistent results and detect problems before they ruin a batch. The AccuBrew system is designed to give you unprecedented insight into the fermentation process, monitor gravity, fermentation activity, clarity, and temperature, schedule reminders, and receive alerts anywhere, anytime. AccuBrew's CIP-ready device is designed to stay out of your way. They know your time and space is precious, and they take up as little of both as possible. No more samples, no cleaning, and no calibration. Set it and forget it. To learn more about AccuBrew, head over to accubrew.io. Also, ProBrew has been a dedicated and trusted partner to breweries, especially when they make the leap to canning their product. That's why they only sell rotary can fillers, which significantly reduce product waste and produce higher quality product than an inline can filler. Need proof? Visit ProBrew at booth 433, as well as at their party at Yazoo Brewing at this year's Craft Brewers Conference in Nashville. To RSVP to their event or schedule time with them at the show, Visit them at probrew.com slash CBC or email contact us at probrew.com. Probrew, brew your beer. So you start this experimental brewery. You are appointed brewmaster for this brewery, and it's your job to come up with beers. Where do you start? This is my favorite question to ask on the podcast. How do you start? Yeah. How do you think of, uh, you know, what beers are going to resonate with people, connect with people? Great question. Yeah, first, um, if I start, uh, let's say, with creating our portfolio, you were thinking about different uh, occasion where you want to drink beer. And again, if, if we have this beer all year, uh, would it be five pale beers or or what? So um, we were sure we need a lager. We are in Czech Republic, so that's um, without doubt. Then uh, we need a draft beer, something a little bit lighter. But we didn't want to have uh, the beer bottom fermented. So I was thinking about something top fermented, but like... I don't want to say boring, but simple beer, ref sure, sure. refreshing, and uh, English pale ale was um, something I like. It can be enough bitter, still refreshing. We had to um, prepare it with slightly lighter, higher uh, carbonation, because um, that's how, how we are used to drink beer. And then... Uh, that is an interesting point. 
we, we have while here experienced that like beer is, is carbonated, but it is softer in that sense than some American styles in terms of its carbonation. Um, yeah, we, we um, you know, in Czech Republic, uh, with the lager dominating the market, the people are just used to drink uh, carbonated beer. And it's part of the refreshing um, effect. And where we excluded uh, these, those bubbles, it was too big surprise. Okay. Just not a part of... A, you, you couldn't serve it as flat as the English normally serve it. Yeah. That's what you're saying. Yeah. And uh, on the other hand, it, it wasn't uh, cask beer where you can explain it because of uh, the serving. So we already saw it uh, in UK that um, they pack something to cask and something to keg right. and have different levels of carbonation. So we had to do it um, the same way. And then uh, other beers are just uh, slightly darker, semi-dark, rye IPA, dark stout. And the non-alcohol is pale, but it's um, special with no presence of alcohol sure. or low level of alcohol. Sure. Um, in terms of the beer that you sell the most of, I, I'm going to assume that even though you make these other creative styles, that your pale lager is still the number one seller for the beer, uh, for the brewery. Yes, it is. By how how much? Half of it? Half or more? Uh, not not really. It makes something between 25-30% okay. of our volume. But that's the thing why, why we don't have uh, the light beer, the draft beer, bottom fermented. Because if if this beer is bottom fermented, then those two makes more than 50%. <laughs> sure. So as you're thinking about how to make a Czech pale lager that is not the same Czech pale lager, same exact as Pilsner Quell, or the same pale Czech lager as other brewers in other parts of the country here. How did you start thinking about designing the right kind of pale Czech lager for Prague? Um, also knowing that the, a lot of the ingredients that you use, you have you pull in ingredients from all over the place. There's lots of bags of Weirman and Souffle and others down in the, the uh, mill room right now but there's also a nice big tower of, of Pilsner malt that comes from the malt house right here at Pilsner Kell. Um, as you started thinking about making Czech lager, how did you start thinking about designing a pale Czech lager that was going to be represent this brewery? Um, honestly, um, I started uh, the thinking just how to be as close as possible and not copy it directly. Sure. Because I know the recipe, but... Um, <laughs> sure, you've brewed the recipe before. <laughs> but um, I don't want to use it, and maybe uh, we are not allowed to use it. Sure, sure. And you also have a different brew house here. You have a stainless steel brew house. You, you know, yours is a steam system. You know, obviously theirs is a direct fire. It's all, it's copper. You know, there are different mechanics to this whole system. Yeah. So how did, you know, how did you then... There's a lot of differences, but uh, what I wanted to just to keep was um, use uh, of uh, same uh, raw materials. We have the same mold. Uh, I can use uh, the same hops. 
I have different yeast, so different uh, fermentation ratio, but um, then we end up yeast, just with slightly yeast? different yeah. ABV. So Yeah, what yeast did you decide to use? Um, it's a liquid yeast coming from uh, the other big brewer in this area, Gambrinus. And that's that's also right here, and that's a, a 3470 Vine Stefan exactly. strain. Yeah. yeah. What do you what do you find about that yeast? And you're not the first Czech brewer that has told us that they're using 3470, you know, Vine Stefan. Yeah, um, you know, uh, those yeasts are very uh, like stable, and uh, you don't need to care about diacetyl uh, that much because. Uh, they are producing and reducing it at, at the same way. So, yeah, they work fine. If, if, you, if you don't stress them, <laughs> sure, sure, it's, it's fine. So you are focused on reducing diacetyl in your pale check lager. We've, we've tasted many, a, a whole range over the last uh, eight days that we've been here of expressions of that from you know, from less to more and some very significant. How do you, how do you feel about that? Um, actually, I'm not that focused on reducing. Uh, I'm not able to maintain a certain level because really slight uh, amount of diacetyl in Czech lager can work for you, make a bitterness softer and a beer just great way balanced. But it's hard to really maintain this level and if you pack the beer with this level of diacetyl it will definitely age uh, during storage or somewhere on shelf mm. so to, to me it's safer to just uh, have no diacetyl and balance the beer without diacetyl and then uh, it's only a thing of uh, cleaning because the second problem can be that uh, if the beer is contaminated and not micro-clean, the diacetyl can occur like secondary. Mm. Oh, you can, That's a bad one. of course, generate more diacetyl through yep. that process. Um, you know, as we've talked about this at length in our friendly conversations with Evan Rail, an American beer writer, while we were here. And he's mentioned to us a few times that uh, there's a threshold of about 200 parts per million, kind of the top end and, and uh, uh, you know, where up to that point, diacetyl is accepted and then beyond that, that it's not. It's interesting to hear that. And I think that, you know, again, as I taste your pale check lager, it has a more intense hop note, you know, a, a more... A bigger hop presence that also helps um, draw the attention away from that kind of diacetyl component there. Um, you know, talk to me about how you balance that stronger hoppiness. And I'm just asking you this because this is Joe's favorite topic to talk about how hoppy Pilsner beer and, uh, you know, and lager beer should be. Uh, his favorite is, is Pilsner in the 50. I plus IBU range. Um, okay, this is a um, quite funny question um, in, in the meaning that um, during preparation of our lager, 
or my lager in um, this brewery, I was uh, just trying two different uh, lager yeast. And uh, one strain tasted very well directly after fermentation. The young beer was very hoppy and very nice. The second uh, strain was too yeasty and a little bit heavy. But after 25, 30 days of maturation, just switched mm. and uh, nice, fresh, hoppy one was just gone. And the yeasty, tired one, just, um, you know, the yeasty uh, taste and aroma was reduced because there was some sedimentation and maturation and the hoppy aroma occurred. Just, this is what I want. <laughs> just a slightly longer maturation and then stable hoppy aroma. And that, that was uh, quite surprise with uh, our yeast. 3470. 3470. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, you know, and thinking of, again about how that lagering process becomes part of the recipe design and you have to design for it to taste good on the far end of that, uh, you know, is an important point. Let's talk about the hops, you know, that you use. Obviously, we're here not an hour away uh, from Jatet's. And the, you know the home of of Saz hops, uh, Pilsner Kell uses lots and lots of of Saz hops. You know, do you select hops in a little a slightly different way, or are you all using, you know, from the same pool of hops? Um, if I'm using Saz, um, the the original, I'm using the same batches as uh, Pilsner Ruquel. Mm -hmm. Because we are able to just um, purchase this together. Sure, sure. But we have a quite nice breeding program in Czech Republic. A lot of new varieties based on SaaS uh, family. And that's also something which is uh, really worth to try. Uh, actually, you are maybe tasting one one of uh, examples of the new SaaS uh, hops pronounce in the beer and that's something where we are present during um, selections and um, judging the new breedings and selecting what's uh, what's like promising and and then we are brewing with uh, with these hops this is SAS comfort mm -hmm. so it's one uh, breeded uh, in the SAS direct SAS family but we, ha we have also uh, more slightly different hops, like going to fruity characters and like not only fine aroma hops, but only aroma hops suitable for modern beers. Sure, sure. In, in your pale Czech lager, you use, right, saws, just saws, yeah. You have to, <laughs> of course. <laughs> this this beer with comfort. We yesterday we we tasted several beers with Saz Shine and Saz Comfort used in different kinds of ways. Um, they were definitely a little bit sweeter than this, and this has a, a nice dryness that I think um, benefits the the hop in, in a in a way. When you think about the difference in some of these newer Saz varieties. 
you know, from a, from a brewer mind, a creative mind, how do you, how do you think of these? Yeah, my role is to try it. Because if you smell uh, the hops, you don't know how it will be pronounced uh, in the beer. So you have to brew it and then see how it works. And I really like uh, those beers which are single hop, hopped. Sure. Uh, where you can feel not only the aroma, but also character of uh, bitterness. And it's a complex um, thing. And I love that you care about a little extra dryness in these that, uh, that also allows some of that, uh, that kind of balance you know, to come forward. Are there any other Saz varieties that, uh, that have been exciting for you to use that you would like to use more of or that, uh, that you think you know, yeah. have a lot of promise? Yeah, I want uh, definitely um, to brew something with Saz Shine, mm -hmm. which is also very nice. But now we are focused on uh, other varieties, uh, which are uh, named by planets, mm. like Saturn, uh, Juno, Ceres, and other, which are really more fruity. And it's interesting how it works in a lager beer. And uh, specifically, if you use it uh, only in a brew house, not for dry hopping, then you can see what can survive in, in the beer. And yeah, I like it. What do, you, what do you see with those as you move them through a brew house? Everyone is, has been talking about survivables for the last year. Um, you know, and and uh, are there some of those hops that you find lend themselves well to, when we talk about fruity, we're talking about a Czech idea of fruity and not an American hop idea of fruity. It's uh, much more subtle. We're talking about nuance and not, not citra, not in your face character. Or, uh, you know, are there some of those and how do you find ways to use those in a way that benefits that kind of character? Mm, in this way, um, it's really, uh, about, uh experimental brew with a single hop and then see what happens because we don't have or we don't use a chance to brew some smaller batch and then um, see what happens so it's kind of risk but that's uh, the interesting part and then you judge uh, the aroma the bitterness character in the final beer and that's, you know, something you like. Sure, sure. Um, let's talk a little bit about, how, let's, let's pivot now. And we've talked about Czech lager a lot on this trip. I want to pivot and talk about some, uh, you know, some of the ways that you put, you know, approach some of these other beer styles, but also from a Czech perspective. And I'm also curious to talk about your brew house a little bit because it is gorgeous. It is beautiful. It is an absolutely stunning, stunning brew house. Before we do that, from the rotatable pickup tube on Rogue Brewing's Pilot Brew House to the integrated hop backs on Sierra Nevada's twin prototyping brew houses 
SS Brutech has taken technology they invented, working with world-renowned industry veterans and made them available to every craft brewer. To learn more about SS Brutech's innovation list, head on over to ssbrutech.com. Also, 100% recycled, 100% recyclable, and reusable PackTech handles are the sustainable solution to handle your craft beer. PackTech has been a leading producer of secondary packaging for the craft beer industry for over 30 years, and their handles are found across the globe. By fully embracing the principles of circular economy, PackTech helps customers meet their own ambitious, sustainable goals. 100% recycled, 100% recyclable, and reusable, PackTech is the sustainable packaging solution for your craft beer. Order your free samples today. Call 541-461-5000. That's 541-461-5000. And Berkeley Yeast, the creators of Tropics Yeast, which produces massive notes of guava and passion fruit, now bring you Thiol Boost. Berkeley Yeast's Thiol Boost is pure liquid thiol precursors that take tropics to the next level. Add it to the fermenter when you pitch the yeast and prepare yourself for tropical fruit nirvana. The concentration of precursors is the same in every batch of Thiol Boost, so you can predictably tune the level of tropical flavor by adjusting the dosage. Mention this podcast to get 15% off your next order. Berkeley Yeast, ordinary yeast made extraordinary. Let's talk about your approach to non-Czech beer styles um, and the way that you start thinking about those and making those for primarily a Czech drinking audience because, you know, your your beer is sold here. Um, you know, with something like an English pale ale, which for me, you know, my approach to English pale ale, uh, yours is maybe a little more, a little more bitter, a little more like a, like a Czech lager brewer, making an English pale ale uh, in the best possible way. And I say that because we've also had plenty of American pale ales from Czech brewers. Um, and we love, it's actually fun to watch how these brewing traditions get filtered through and, you know, how your tradition, your Czech brewing tradition influences the way that you make some of these other styles. Um, you know, how, you know, as you approach English pale ale, uh, you know, do you combine the expectation of top fermented English pale ale with your own Czech brewing traditions? Yeah, it's a combination of both. And uh, in our case, um, we're just uh, playing a little bit with water because we have very soft water uh, much different than a hard uh, English water. So we went uh, just halfway to add some minerals, but to be a little bit harder sure. with our water, but not that hard as Barton, for for example. Sure, sure. And um, the pale ale we, we wanted to crea create was um, aimed to be best bitter, not uh, that high in alcohol, but quite bitter to uh, support a little bit of uh, drinkability because this is something uh, we are trying to achieve in every beer we create, just to be a little bit more drinkable. Yeah. <laughs> and it's interesting that uh, sometimes you can really um, achieve it even if uh, the beer style is not a drinkable. Really? 
What yeah. do you mean by that? Um, especially for high ABV beers. Yeah. If uh, you don't feel uh, the alcohol and the beer is well balanced with um, body and bitterness, yeah, it, it for different styles can be different, but uh, um, this balance is important. And if you don't feel uh, the alcohol, it can just be judged as a drinkable. Sure, sure. When you're building English pale ale, you know, from a malt standpoint, is that all pale ale malts or do you blend Pilsner base malt with that? And how do you, how do you build malt for it? Yeah, we went uh, to a combination of uh, pale ale malt and our Pilsner malt. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a 50-50 combination. Okay. yeah. Because... Um, the molds by parameters are very, very close. Huh. It's just a pale mold prepared from different barley variety. So the pale ale mold has slightly higher proteins, mm-hmm. but um, the sugars and other parameters are really very, very similar. Now, you know, as we discussed with Václav Burka, you know, the malt that Pilsner or Kell makes, is it tends to be less modified, you know, in order to, to prepare it for that triple decoction process. How does that impact the way that you brew, say, some of these ale styles when you are using some of that Pilsner malt? Yeah, it gave us um, slightly higher uh, residual sugars. Yeah. So the beer can be lighter, in terms, if uh, the English pale ale is a 10 plateau beer, we are somewhere around 4% of alcohol maximum. So it, it works for us to keep the beer a little bit lighter, which can be more drinkable again. But I guess it also then forces you to use yeasts that are, will f- attenuate also to dryness so that... Uh, um, there you don't leave them too sweet. Actually, for this beer, for the pale ale, we use uh, the ESB yeast supplied um, from Alamond. Okay. So um, it's a it's a strain which is uh, designed for this style of beer, and it has not a high attenuation. So. Yeah. Um, what's What's your f- favorite beer of the last year? that you've brewed and talk to me about the process of envisioning that beer and then going through and brewing it. Okay. This is uh, really the worst question ever. Sure. <laughs> I appreciate your honesty. All, all babies <laughs> sure, are sure. the same. But I have, t- I have two, two kids. Yeah. And, Which one uh, do you like more? Uh, I'll tell you off the off of the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> and that's I love a, them both. Yeah, yeah that's the answer. <laughs> but there's one, you know. Uh, they won't listen to this, so that's okay for me to say that. Okay, um, I like uh, bitter beers. Yeah. And I was born in Pilsen, so yeah, lager is something uh, I can always 
just drink and uh, something which is refreshing you. Sure, sure. But creating uh, other styles, um, there there are many things which are involved, uh, raw materials, um, unusual raw materials like uh, spices or fruits. And I really don't want to name one of them. Currently, maybe Pink Boots APA is uh, something uh, which is giving me, yeah. It's hitting you in the right way. It's yeah. uh, That's the beer that uh, that's exciting you right now. Yeah, sure. It's um, close to release and uh, it's extremely fresh. <laughs> sure. So. We drank it off of the tanks earlier today. Um, what? Tell me about brewing that beer. You know, how did you design a recipe? You know, in America, most people would brew that as an IPA, a little bit stronger. You know, they would brew it with all you know pale ale malt, uh, two row, and yeah. How did you then decide to tackle brewing a beer that you did as an American pale ale at a lower ABV? Yeah, you know, with your mix of, of whatever malt that is, you know, talk to me about how you uh, you prepared your own Pink Boots blend beer. Um, we just wanted to be uh, slightly more sessionable, so that's why we uh, went for a lower ABV uh, beer, and of course, uh, all the Pink Boots blends are very aromatic and designed for IPAs. So why why to um, not make it a little bit different way? And also I know about breweries brewing here in Czech and we don't want to have nine different IPAs with the same hops. So that's also a thing um, uh, which is included in, in the planning just to have uh, more of beer as possible different recipes, different styles with the same hops. So you talked to other Czech brewers who were also brewing this and then decided not to brew the same beer. And and that's the fun because uh, then then we will have a tasting event where we will taste all all beers with the same hops, different styles, and make some fun. As you work with, uh, you know, a blend of, you know, generally – you know, hops like this, which are have a very strong flavor, a pretty intense flavor. How do you, you know, those that kind of beer, as we've noticed through this time, check like that kind of flavor intensity. You know, may not be as uh, you know attractive to a lot of of Czech drinkers. You know, and I should I'd say that's on average. There are still those fans that love you know, ch- you know craft style beer from from other places, and uh, you know, and know that and want that, but. Uh, your average consumer probably wants something that feels a little more smoother and controlled because, uh, you know, that's the flavor. How do you think about taking those ingredients and fitting them into a beer that becomes more smooth and controlled like that? Yes, yeah, specifically for this beer, um, we are using uh, some amount of um Bavarian malt to create the body which will be a little bit more malty mm. because uh, this can uh, um, balance uh, the high aroma coming sure, from, sure. from from this blend. 
When you say Bavarian malt, what what do you mean? It's a Munich style. Munich style malt. Yeah. Okay. And that's it. Because then you have some um, oat flakes, something which is just naturally sure. present in this recipe. But um, this this malt is just a thing where you want to support um, the body and uh, the malt flavor or malt profile of the beer to be not uh, flat or simple. Right. This part, because we were expecting uh, really high aroma and straightforward fruity notes. Yeah, and you so you also used oats in this. Yeah. How much in a percentage of Munich malt and oats, you know, and, and you don't have to be exact? Yo, I'm not sure, but uh, it can be somewhere between 10 to 15% of uh, flake oats and up to 20% of um, Bavarian malt. Yeah. As you think about building that smoothness to the hop character, is there are there any techniques that you use in the brew house to ensure that they uh, they convey in that kind of smooth way? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> in this case, it's sim- simple infusion. So. Yeah, it's just simple infusion. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> is there anything else that, uh, you know, in terms of dry hopping, you know, uh, is there a way that you dry hop then this beer? Um, I, I don't think it's um, something exceptional. It's just um, a... Yeah small portion uh, at the beginning of fermentation just to get some um, substances already uh, at the beginning in, during, active, yep, during active fermentation introducing uh, to the beer during the fermentation and then why then rather than at post fermentation that's a first portion and then second uh, before end of fermentation and yeah the chemistry behind is just complicated. So we believe uh, this works. You are here for biotransformation. Uh, and what, what kind of uh, yeast do you ferment with on this? Uh, this year we did it with uh, verdant um, yeast. Verdant yeast? Mm-hmm. Interesting. I'm not familiar with them. Yeah, it's um, usually used for uh, New England IPAs. Okay. But it doesn't mean that it will create your New England IPA. Oh, so you can get it to be a clear beer, not a hazy beer. Yeah. But it still supports that biotransformation and yes. that, that juicy character. Cool. Um, we had a we had a beer earlier as we tasted it that was, uh, as you described it, a thirteen percent alcohol, uh, barrel aged, brute. IPA that was aged in wine barrels. Uh, talk to me about brewing this beer because if someone had told me Brute IPA, it would not probably be a beer that I would just go and order. And I, if I, you told me a 13% Brute IPA aged in wine barrels, that sounds crazy to me. Um, talk to me about the, the process behind brewing such a beer. Yeah, you are not first who told me <laughs> the same. But uh, we wanted to create something strong, which is not able to referment or ferment more uh, during the barrel aging. So that's why we used um, 
or went for a brewed IPA. And we hopped and dry hopped this beer with uh, German hops because of uh, the flavor. Uh, those hop uh, was more floral and very similar to, to the wine, which was originally uh, stored in the wooden barrel. So we just wanted to be as close as possible with uh, this aroma profile. And then we just went for this what wine, risk. What wine was the... the it was Pinot Blanc. Okay, Pinot Blanc. And what hop, What German hops did you use? Uh, Magnum and some new breedings, which are blended to unique uh, okay. product. Yeah, then we just filled the barrel and um, were waiting for one year to see what happens because... Um, we are not that experienced to be sure that uh, <laughs> sure. The, the product will be good or bad. Uh, so. And you used an enzyme in the fermentation process in order to you know achieve the kind of dryness. You even fermented this down to uh, you know to fully dry. Yeah, we used um, this enzyme uh, in a brew house to really broke uh, the starch to do sugars and then uh, a small portion to fermentation to be sure that we will reach zero. And that happened. So um, I'm sure that uh, the slight increase of alcohol during barrel aging was just a case of evaporation. <laughs> sure, sure. You know, despite the fact that beer hit full dryness and, and you know, zero Plato, um, you know, it still was a very drinkable beer and had a nice mouthfeel to it. It didn't feel, you know, it didn't feel rough or too sharp. Um, how do you get that balance and that drinkability in a beer with that much alcohol that also is picking up those notes from the barrel? I don't want to say by accident. <laughs> <laughs> you are very honest. I appreciate that. But, um, you know, the high alcohol can also work as a body. It gives some sweetness. And if it's not coming from some let's say, unwanted process, or if it's not higher alcohol, if it's only your ethanol, um, it really works, and it gives you some sweet note. Yeah, that's interesting. And as I told you uh, before, you're just playing with the barrels and um, learning how, how it works. So Sure, sure. What what are you, what are you most excited to learn about next? What is what's the next beer that uh, you are that you want to brew um, that has you the most excited right now? Oh, tough one. I don't know. <laughs> you know, um, time to time it just happens that uh, we talk uh, with uh, my colleagues and talking about um, what we like to cook or some new ingredients we use um, this was uh, similar when we created uh, our pepper saison or the line of beers with peppercorn addition 
we're just talking about kitchen and I have great pepper. So um, I don't know. It's not part of a uh, part of the plan. You know, you plan I'm going to do something crazy. It just maybe hits, we will. It just hits you and when it hits you, you yes. know. Sure. Sure. Are there other beers that you've tried over the last year that uh, have just turned on a light bulb in your brain and said, oh, I want to try brewing that? A lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. But um, yeah, maybe Cascara beers can, are sure. interesting and it's interesting uh, material. These Cascara sour, you know, fruity beers. Yeah, a little bit sour, but also fruity and maybe nutty. So that's something we are definitely going to try. But I don't know how the beer will be. And other, I don't know. <laughs> sure, sure. When you, uh, when you are finished with uh, your work day and, and you go grab a beer, what, uh, what beers do you drink the most of? Usually lager. Well, fantastic. Sorry. <laughs> Experimental lager. <laughs> you're, also a brewer, you're also a brewer, and so uh, you're welcome to that. Um, well, Lenka, I appreciate you joining me here for the podcast. Let's, uh, let's bring this to a close. G&D Chillers has set the standard on quality, service, and reliability with 24-7 service and support. Raw North Star Pills is a base mold you can set your compass by. Flavored craft juice concentrate blends from Old Orchard have shipped to over 46 states. Yaki Brew System gives you unprecedented insight into the fermentation process. ProBrew's rotary can fillers reduce waste and produce higher quality packaged beer. SS BrewTech has made the top tech available to every craft brewer. PackTech handles are the sustainable solution to handle your craft beer. And Berkeley Yeast Style Boost is pure liquid thiol precursors that take tropics to the next level. Of course, if you've enjoyed this podcast, go to beerandbrewing.com, click on the subscribe button. I think, uh, I think Joe is going to talk to you about a recipe uh, here that we might be able to share with some of our, our subscribers down the road. So, uh, you know, you may be able to, uh, you know, the next few weeks or the next couple months be able to, to brew your own proed uh, recipe if you're a subscriber to Craft Beer and Brewing. Uh, if people want to learn more about your brewery, where do they find Prod? Um, actually, we have a uh, beer um, only in Czech Republic. So um, it's our website and some Czech uh, shops. So come to Czech Republic and try it. Sounds like a great plan. Uh, I, am, uh, I am here for it. Thank you for joining me on the podcast. It's been great talking to you about brewing. Cheers. Yeah, thank or, you. Or, Cheers. Ravi. This podcast is brought to you by Craft Beer and Brewing Magazine for those that love to make and drink great beer. Learn more online or subscribe at beerandbrewing.com or find us on social media at Craft Beer Brew.